Welcome. My name is Pastor Justin. I'm the senior pastor here at New Life. We are finishing up a series because we're heading into to Vision Sunday next week, and we're finishing up our Kingdom Come series. And uh, we've been talking over the past six weeks or so about the kingdom, the thing that, that Jesus talked about the most. Out of all the things that, that, that he discussed, that he taught, that he made parables about, his main message, his sermon series was about the kingdom of God. And uh, the Gospel of Mark kind of sums it up uh, where he says in Mark chapter 1 verse 15, Jesus went around proclaiming, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And so we've already discussed some of the, the principles and the culture of the kingdom over the past six weeks. If you missed those, you can kind of pick up on those um, at nlc.today and kind of check out what we've been kind of tracking along. But today we're going we're gonna to talk about the power of the kingdom of God. And I uh, just want to give you a heads up today at the end of the message. I want to give you an opportunity uh, to be prayed for, to, um, to receive that prayer to receive that the, the power that the, the kingdom of God would come near to you in the place of need that you have today. Um, I believe that God wants to release some of his power today into, into your life. So just be, just be preparing for that. Um, today we're going we're gonna to talk about the power, the power of the kingdom. And I was, I was thinking about this past weekend, like what are the things that, um, like the times that I've felt powerless. Have you ever felt powerless before? Like you've been in a situation where you're just like, you are powerless to be able to affect change. You just feel like there's nothing you can do to, to change it. Um, about eight years ago, my family and I were in a, a car accident. It was the day after Christmas and we were in like a 35 car pileup um, in the snow. And I clearly remember when we were coming over the, the ridge and saw all the cars, we were powerless to stop. Literally, we put on the brakes and there was nothing we could do but to, but to go head on into um, a sea of vehicles that were already stopped. And uh, my, my, my daughter Molly was hurt the worst, but um, we were both airlifted separately to, to different hospitals. I had a collapsed lung and a broken sternum and otherwise pretty stable, but, but we're just kind of powerless. You know, you're like powerless to be able to help your children, powerless to be able to help your family. Um, and so when they said that they were going to airlift me, uh, I remember thinking first, how much is this going to cost me? And, you know, I'm like, can barely breathe, but I'm like, what's the bill going to be? You know, like, and of course they don't tell you that. Uh, they send that afterwards, months later. Um, the second thing was like, well, this would be kind of cool. Like I get to go in a helicopter. Like I get a, hel a, a free helicopter ride. Like, I've always wanted to go on one of these helicopter tours, like at the Freiburg Fair. Like, I said, this sounds really cool. And so I thought this would be so much better than like driving in an ambulance for a couple hours to get me to this hospital that they wanted to send me to. And so um, I started feeling very powerless when they strapped me to a gurney and um, just said, they told me, just relax. <laughs> to which, you know, when somebody says that, it's, and they, they're literally strapping you to a gurney. It's kind of like, well, I don't really have a choice not to, right? Like there's, there's not, I don't have much say in, in this just relax command that you're giving me. And so they, uh, they start to wheel me in um, to this helicopter. And I remember it feeling like a piece of luggage, but not just like a piece of luggage, like an afterthought piece of luggage. Like, you know, when you go on like a, on a big trip and like you got all the things, then you forgot the one thing that you got to fit in there. That's what I was. Like, it was like, they're just standing around. Like, they're like, well, we got all this, we got all this like uh, suitcases and stuff. I guess, oh, 
oh, that's right, we got a human we got to get in here. And so literally, like, they're putting me, they're shoving me into this helicopter, which I thought, like, I was the main event, right? Like, well, like there's not, like, a bunch of people in this airlifting thing. It was just me, right? Like, I'm kind of the big deal. I'm going to get a big bill for this, right? And so they put me in so much so that they're like, could you just, uh, could you lift your, your knees, your legs a little bit? Should we can shut the trunk here? And I'm like, are you kidding? Is this the first time you've done this? Like, are you kidding me? I'm, I'm tall. I'm not that tall. And so they, they finally, they shut me in there. And then I remember, like, they put me into one of the loudest places on earth and, um, and they're yelling, just relax. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Like they put these earmuffs on me and I'm, I'm just kind of like in there and, and you, it, there's no, uh, there's no um, windows to look out to be like, oh, okay, I can see where we're at. Like, there's not a glass bottom, which I thought that would be a good addition, like a glass bottom, right, to a helicopter. Be like, you can watch the city lights, you know, go under you. As you're, like, that would have been a good idea for air flight. Um, and so th they didn't have that. And then so um, you think that was, that was it. And then we, we land on top of this hospital, and um, I just... I'm, powerless, right? I'm stuck in this thing. We finally get out. They wheel me out on the top of the, and it's snowing and it's not magical. And so they, they literally, they, they wheel me into the, this like top floor ER room that is full of people waiting for me. Um, there's like every doctor, nurse, intern. I'm pretty sure cafeteria workers were invited to this. <laughs> and I literally, um, and they immediately start going to work. And I, I'm like, what is going on here? They're asking me questions. They're like, How, does this hurt? Does this hurt? They're like pushing, touching places as they're cutting the clothing off of my body. And, um, and they're yelling things out. And they're what seems to be like a, like a Starbucks barista, like writing down and taking notes like of all the things. And one woman literally lifts my leg and she's like, Perianal looks good. And then she puts my leg back down. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And so, I mean, powerless. I'm, I'm describing what it felt like to be completely vulnerable and powerless. I finally make eyes to what seeming would be like a slack-jawed, I don't know, custodian in the corner holding onto a mop and a bucket just staring. And I'm like, dude, you got like a loincloth over there? To which I don't even know what a loincloth is, but it seemed like the thing that I needed at the moment. And I kid you not, a nurse did me a solid and put a legit... face cloth over me. It's like, thank you, ma'am, for my dignity. Powerless. Have you ever been powerless? You ever been powerless like that? Like, just like, what, am I, am I supposed to be asleep for this? Like, hello, I'm, I'm a human, right? Like, can, can we, can we just, this is crazy, right? Like, yeah, I don't know if you've ever been powerless like that. I, I, I hope I never have to go through that. I hope you never have to go through that ever, ever, ever. Uh, but we've all been powerless. Like, we've all been powerless in maybe our finances. Like, you're like, you've, you've done everything. You've tried to change jobs. You've even, like, cut Netflix. And you're like, I, I don't know what we're going to do to be able to make ends meet. I, our finances just don't come out the way that they're supposed to at the, at the end of the week. Like, maybe for you, you're powerless to fight an addiction. Like, it's been, it's been years, and you've been like, good days, bad days, good times, bad times, good years, bad years. Maybe it's drugs or alcohol or pornography. You're just kind of like, man, I, I just cannot get out from underneath this addiction. I feel powerless to be able to, to, to get out from it.
Maybe you're in an abusive relationship that you feel powerless in, like you know it's dysfunctional, but you don't know what functional looks like, and so you just keep going back to the same thing over and over again. Like, I, I just don't know how to get out of this thing. Maybe you're powerless in uh, a health situation. Like you've gone doctor to doctor, and you've gotten tests and this, and you've gone to specialists, and you just, you're powerless to be able to maintain health in your life. Or you're in like a powerless cycle of depression, like you, you, you've tried this and you've even tried medication and things like that and done life changes and things and it just, you just keep falling back into this, this same powerless cycle. Powerless leads to hopelessness and hopelessness leads to despair. And the great news that I want to talk about today is that when it comes to the kingdom of God, we are not left powerless. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 says this, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. So Paul is, is saying that the kingdom of God is not just empty words. The kingdom of God is not just good ideas. The message of Christ that he went around preaching to every single person that he talked to is not a message or a teaching about religion or ethical, moral decisions. It's not, uh, uh, the kingdom of God is not about a philosophy. The kingdom of God is not um, a self-help book. It, it's, it's bigger than singing songs or attending church or, or listening to sermons. The, the kingdom of God is not a motivational TED talk. Jesus announced the kingdom of God through his teaching as well as through his actions. And so the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of power, not powerlessness. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. It says this, Now when, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and he said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Which is a huge statement. Which means that like, if you're in Christ, then the kingdom of God is within you. That you have received power. Which means that, that you are not stuck in your sin. Which means you may be choosing to sit in your sin, but you aren't stuck in them. That is the beauty of the power of the kingdom of God. That you don't have to be addicted to pornography. You, you, you have received power. The power is available to you. And the kingdom of God is within you. That you were meant to carry the presence of God and the kingdom of God with you. And if that's true, if the, if the kingdom of God is within you, then you are not left powerless. Because where the kingdom is, there is the power. Hmm. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says this. And if the spirit of him, this is a huge claim, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. What he's saying is that the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you when you're in Christ. 
That is a huge statement. That has even greater implications of what it is that we're called to, be, to walk in and to steward as we carry the presence of God in us and, and through us, that the very same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So if that's true, if you carry the, the kingdom with you and within you, then what are you supposed to do with what you've been given? I mean, that, that's, that's one of the, the great questions, right? Like if, if we've been given the very spirit of the kingdom of God, right? The spirit of God lives and dwells within us. What are we called as Christians to do with what we've been given? Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. When Jesus was sending out his 12 disciples to minister, he sent them out and he gave them very, very in, um, strict instructions. And this is what he said in Matthew 10, 7. He said, as you go, proclaim this message. This is his message. This is the message we've been talking about for the past six weeks. He says, the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven has come near. That's the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then he says to them, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, and drive out demons. And he ends it by saying this, freely you have received, freely give. In other words, just as you have freely received this gift of grace, just as you have freely received the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the kingdom of God, freely give it away. That we carry the, the presence of God, the kingdom of God, not just for ourselves, we're meant to, to bring it to others. And this is what, this is this reality that, um, that we understand kind of like on this level, but not necessarily on a day-to-day, -day, what am I supposed to do on Monday morning with my coworkers or with my kids that are driving me crazy? Like, it is this reality, and I, and I want to impart to you today as we talk about this kingdom, that, that God deposits his Holy Spirit in you because he's wanting to do something through you. That it never actually says that, that the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can create a pond or a lake to contain the Holy Spirit. It actually says that we receive the Holy Spirit that rivers of living water will flow out of our bellies. That it is meant to be in us to go through us because God's wanting to deposit something in us so that we can give it away to others. That's why he says when he sends out his 12 disciples, he's like, go, do this. Tell them the kingdom of God has brought near. But don't just tell them, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, set the demons on their, on their heels. As you freely received, freely give away that which you've been given. So, when the kingdom is brought near to people, then alignment happens. Like, we, we talk about, like, you know, with thy, thy kingdom come on earth as, as it is in heaven. Like, when the kingdom comes near to people, it's not just about always changing our minds that our, we would transform our thinking. But when, when people are healed, when deliverance happens in somebody's life, when addiction is cut off and the captives are set free, alignment happens. That which is in heaven comes down to earth. All of a sudden, it, lies that we've believed or assumed in our life are cut off, and now we have a new identity that is found in Christ. 
The, the sickness, the things, the, the sins of our, of our earth, of, of our lives are cut off, brought into alignment. When healing happens, when, when people are set free, we're, we come into alignment with the kingdom of God. So when he says, bring the kingdom, tell them the kingdom has come near, heal the sick, that's why. It's not just about, you know, tell them about my kingdom, tell them about this principle, tell them that they shouldn't do this, that they shouldn't steal, that they should give, that they should be generous, that they should do these things. He's saying, do these things in their life to show them that the kingdom of God has come near to them. He says, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Like when Jesus opened up the scrolls, essentially, that I've come to proclaim the good news to the poor, that the sick are healed, that the dead are raised, that the demons flee, and the captives are set free. Freely you've received, freely give. So I want to I give you just some practical um, things in, you've got it on your notes or if you're on nlc.today, just some practical notes when it comes to, um, to bringing the kingdom of God into situations, into your Monday morning. The first one is this. How do we bring the kingdom of God that is within us to others? Number one, through speaking it out. We speak it out. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. He says this. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Notice what he says. He's, Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. We are to speak about the kingdom, just like Jesus did. He went around teaching, speaking about the kingdom, teaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. To which you may be thinking, like, I don't, I don't know how to teach. I don't know my Bible well enough to be able to teach about the, the kingdom. Like, I can't teach. I'm not an evangelist. Um, I don't even know what to say, let alone proclaim. So when, it, when you say, Pastor Justin, like I'm supposed to teach or I'm supposed to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, I, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm a bit ill-equipped to be able to do that. Here's the thing. The one thing that you do have is your testimony. The one thing that you do have is the ability to be able to share with others the good news of what God has done in your life. That's the good news of the kingdom. And, and, and what we struggle with is this, like we, we have no problem telling people about the good news in our life. Like we have no problem telling people about like an, a, new, a new job or a new job opportunity, a, a new car, a new, a new house. Like we want people to celebrate about the new things that God, or we've just received in our life. Heck, we have no problem sharing with the world what we ate for lunch on Instagram. Like we want people to celebrate whatever it is that's going on in our life. So why is it so hard to share the good news of what God has done in our life? And I'd like to submit to you that there is a demonic assignment to keep you silent. It really doesn't make sense any other way. I mean, if you've been set free, God has brought joy into your life where there is hopelessness, that, that sin has been cut off in your life, that you have found um, peace that, that surpasses understanding. Why is it so hard to share that unless there is not a demonic assignment to keep you silent? Because I believe in our testimony, there is a bondage-breaking kingdom-shaking power in your testimony. 
And it doesn't have to be this theological treatise. I'm telling you, just sharing the power of your testimony of what God has done in your life is bondage-breaking and kingdom-shaking and gives hope to the hopeless. And I think Satan wants to make it sound and seem like it's a lot harder than it really is. Let me show you what I mean. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It says this, that they triumphed over him, meaning Satan, if you read it in context. They triumphed over Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. There is power in the word of your testimony. It's amazing to me that how they overcame Satan wasn't just the blood of the lamb. It wasn't just Jesus, the the spotless lamb, crucified, died, buried for your sin. The way that they overcame Satan was the blood of the lamb and also the word of their testimony. Because when you share the good news of your testimony, you are speaking life into dead things. You're speaking life into dry bones. You're speaking light into darkness. You're speaking hope into hopelessness. You're speaking power into hopeless situations, into dead relationships, into sicknesses. That is the power of the kingdom of God. And so we release the power of the kingdom of God to others through speaking about it and refusing to be silent refusing to just be, to be muzzled and to say, no, I'm, I will share what it is that God's done in my life. Sometimes I think we abdicate our role as Christians is to simply sow seed, to just sow seed. It's not our responsibility of, of, of how that seed is implanted. That, that's dependent on the heart of the person receiving it or discarding it. But our job is to sow seed, to to release the power, to speak about the power of our testimony to others, to share and to sow seed. So the first thing we do is to share, to share our our testimony. The second way that we bring the kingdom of God near to other people is through praying it in, by praying it in. Jesus taught us like this. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As he was teaching his disciples how to pray, that's, that's how we pray. We pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we are praying heaven to earth. That's part of, of our role as intercessors, as Christians, is to pray heaven to earth. And prayer is look, probably one of the most intimidating things for people. And I, I don't know about you. I know you guys are like the, the early service. So like you guys are like, just give me an opportunity. I will pray. Give me a mic, pastor. Like I, I have no problem doing that. But for most Christians, at least the 1015 crowd, they're like, man, I don't, I don't know. Like that's... That's difficult. Don't give me a microphone. And so we look at people with, with mics up on stages with lights on them and say, man, if that's what praying looks like, I don't even know how to do that. I don't know how to speak King James English, right? I, I don't know how I'm supposed to, to do that. I, I'm not equipped. I'm going to leave the praying to the professionals because I, I think I'm going to just say it wrong. I'm going to mess it up and then just like blow something up. I don't know. Like God's going to give me what I want. I'm like, I shouldn't ask for it. I'm sorry. Right? Like you're going to, like, I'm going to screw this thing up. I'm going to live it to people who don't to pray right because I, I'm just going to pray wrong. We get caught up in what we say and, and how we say it, all those types of things. And there's this encounter. Um, I, was, I was looking through my word this week in Matthew chapter 8, and I love what this encounter with Jesus and a centurion shows us about the kingdom of God in prayer. 
This is what it says, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Let me read it for you. So when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. This is what the centurion says. Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? And the centurion replied, very interesting. He says, Lord, I, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and, and, and he does it. And then, catch when, when Jesus is amazed at something, you should pay attention. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. He was amazed and said to those following him, hey, listen, come here. Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And then in verse 13, he says this, Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. One of the things that we learn from this encounter is that the power of prayer is not simply praying with passion, but understanding your position in prayer. Let me say that one more time, because I think we can kind of get this this screwed up, especially in our day, right? That the power of prayer is not simply about praying with passion, but in understanding your position in prayer. That is what amazed Jesus. That this guy understood, he understood the kingdom and how kingdoms work. He understood the kingdom of God and it released the power of the kingdom of God because of his revelation of the kingdom of God. It was this kind of centurion's understanding that how position works. Because he knew who Jesus was and what his position was. And so he knew that that he could just say, go, come, do. He didn't have to go do it himself. He could actually get things done in the kingdom because of his position, not because, and sometimes we think, well, I just, I don't know how to pray well. And I see this other person, they can pray for like 15 minutes. I could pray for like five minutes, tops. And then I have nothing else to pray for because I prayed for world peace and everything else. And they just came, said, I got a bum foot. And I just prayed for everything in the world that the whole world would be saved and all these things because I don't know what I'm supposed to be saying. He's like, it doesn't matter how, how passionate you're praying that you're trying to convince yourself or demons around you that you believe actually what you're saying, but when you fully understand your position in the kingdom, you can speak to a demon and it flees. You don't have to yell and wrestle and, and, and try to scare it. Like, you, you, can, you can speak to a sickness and it dries up when you understand the position. Now, just remind us, you're in Christ, like you have been adopted, you have been saved, you have been redeemed, you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. You have been given position in the kingdom of God. The trouble is that we have churches filled with millions of Christians who think that their position is a chair on Sunday mornings. Rather than understanding their position in Christ. This is what Jesus took notice of. 
that the more that we understand of our position in the kingdom, the more authority we walk in, in the power of the kingdom. Jesus didn't have to scream or yell to, to get the attention of the demonic. He didn't need to belabor in praying to see healing. Why? Because he understood his position. And make no mistake, even as he went around loving people, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, preaching in parables, telling them about the kingdom, when, when, when the kingdom of God comes near to people, war is waged. We think like, and I'm telling you, all of his disciples were thinking the same thing. Like, man, I just don't understand it. Like, when is he going to start like wielding the sword and taking over Rome? And like, when are we going to actually start fighting, not realizing that every word that came out of Jesus' mouth, every time he set a captive free, he was waging war on the enemy. Every day when his feet hit the floor, he was waging war of the enemy. Because when the kingdom of God comes near, there is alignment that is forced and the kingdom of hell flees. When the kingdom of God comes near, war is waged. Let me show you. Acts chapter 10. I'm going to read some scripture. Acts 10, 38. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were what? Oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. So the evidence of the kingdom of God was the freedom from the oppression of the devil. When he brought the kingdom close to people, war was waged. Luke 10, 9. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So evidence of the kingdom of God coming near to people was that the sick were healed. So when he brought in the kingdom, war was waged and sickness dried up. Luke chapter 11, verse 20. He said, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So the evidence of the kingdom of God is the demonic fleeing. The power of the kingdom is when Jesus forcefully restores what the enemy has taken. He says to Peter in Matthew 16, 18, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now, whenever I've read this, I've always, I don't know why, but I just kind of read it as like, oh yeah, because, you know, Satan is attacking us and he's on the offensive and we're on the defensive. And like, he's just saying like, the gates of hell will not overcome you when you're in Jesus. Let me just, can we just read this for, and just be really honest and real here. Um, how, how, many, how many of you have ever been attacked by a gate? Anyone ever been overcome by a gate? Been like, oh man, this gate just beat me up. It just keeps coming at me. And I, I, I just told him, no, oh, I can't be overcome by the gates of hell. Like, no, like you've never been attacked by a gate, have you? I've never been beaten down by a gate. A gate has never come unhinged and just starting whacking at me. I've never been overcome by a gate because we're not the ones that are on the defensive. We're the ones on the offensive. He says the gates of hell will not overcome it, which means when you're in Christ, when you bring healing, when you bring instruction, when you bring teaching, when you bring your, your, your testimony and you're waging war on the enemy, I'm just telling you, it just means that you're marching into the enemy's territory, taking back what Satan took, and his puny little gates won't hold you back. 
That's the beauty of the power of the kingdom. That you aren't on the defensive. You're supposed to be walking in. And the gates of hell won't overcome you. Hmm. Complete shift of how we look at our role as Christians. As we bring the power of the kingdom of God to take back everything that Satan has stole. Jesus said that his church, the kingdom of God on earth, will attack the gates of hell and take back what the enemy has stolen. I just want to leave you with three things. Practical tips when it comes to bringing the kingdom near to people. The first one is this. Actually lay hands on the sick. I put a few scriptures in there um, on, on your notes that you can, you can look up later if you're like, ah, I disagree, I don't think that, that's needed, and, you know, COVID. But, but there's something about actually laying your hand on the sick and praying for them that's powerful. And you can be like, well, I, I mean, don't people get healed? I mean, Jesus didn't even have to go. He just said, go and, and your servant will be healed. I mean, he didn't even lay hands on this person. I mean, don't, don't people get healed without the laying on of hands? Absolutely. Absolutely they do. But we also see time and time and time again, and actually Jesus tells his disciples, lay hands on the sick and you'll see them recover. So he did it. He told us to do it. You should do it. Yeah, but I don't understand. I don't either. I'm just saying he tells us to do it. <laughs> Actually lay hands on the sick when you pray for them. There is something that happens in the spirit when believers lay hands on the sick to see them recover. The second is this. Pray out loud. There is power in speaking out loud your prayers. I know, but, but you could just not, you could just pray to yourself. You don't have to pray out loud, right? Like you could just not, ha yeah, absolutely. And, and people still get healed and things still happen. Absolutely. <laughs> but we also see in, Paul wrote in Philippians, he says, present your requests to God. You know, bring, if you're sick, if any sick among you, bring them to the elders so they can pray the prayer of faith so they can be healed. So pray out loud. And offshoots of this, like um, these ones are free. I won't even charge you for these. Um, the first one is this. Um, pray in the moment. Do it then. Do it right then and there. Right then and there, in person, on the phone. Send out a text if you need to. Because you may have the best of intentions to pray later, but you'll probably forget. And there is something about laying hands on the sick and praying in the moment for a person and the need that they have and the moment that they need it, that there is power in that. Does God work other ways and he works outside of that? Absolutely. These are just practical tips. The, the second one, the other one is this, like pray measurable prayers. So sometimes we're like, you know, we, we want to get in, in kind of a, a very like a holy place where we say like, oh, like, if thou willest, do what thou will, right? I don't even know what that means. The person came up, they said, I got an ingrown toenail and I want prayer for it. I, I, thou willest, thou wilt do what thou wilt want. I pray thou wilt do all thy will and thy will and thy may, that my will be thy will and will will. What? Can you just pray for my toe? 
So pray for it. Pray measurable prayers. Lord, I just pray right now for that toe. God, I pray healing over that. She'll know it when the pain stops. She can walk on it, right? Pray measurable prayers. <laughs> and the third one, why don't you stand with me? Third one is this, third kind of practical tip. If you're kind of like, man, I just don't know how to pray. I don't know, like, I, I, I've never seen anything happen like this before. I've never seen healing come to, to people and that kind of stuff. Third point is this, remember past miracles to stir up your faith to overcome new obstacles. And you're like, but I've never seen, like, God do anything. Well, you probably heard stories, or you could just sit with me. I'll, I'll tell you some things that I've seen God do to stir up your faith to believe him for more of the current obstacles that, that you're meeting today. When I'll go pray for people, whether they're down here, over in the corner, back there, or I'm going to somebody's house to pray for them, I will literally begin to stir up my faith with past miracles that I've seen him do. Why? Because I've seen him do this in other people's life. It stirs up my faith to believe him to do what I know he can do in yours. Stir up your faith in that way. Psalm 77, 11 says this, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. And so I just, I was just writing down a few. I'm like, God, I, I've seen cancer healed. I've literally seen deaf ears open. I've seen shoulders put back into socket miraculously. I've seen a leg grow in front of my face. I've, I've literally witnessed my, my son pray over our dead lawnmower. And to my surprise, it worked. I, I've seen God move in, in so many ways that I just don't even think, I think I'd be crazy to think that he doesn't want to do it again. So maybe you're here this morning and, and you've sensed the kingdom of God coming near to you, but you, you've, never, you've never repented and believed in him. Come to the faith in Christ. Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. So if that's you today and you're hearing that knock on your heart and you're ready to open up the door. I want to invite you to pray with me to bring the kingdom of God into your life today. So just between you and him, if you're in that place today where you're like, you know what? I want to know that I know that I know that the kingdom has come near to me and I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand right in here, this place. Say, that's me. That's me today. Okay. I see. Yeah. Okay. I want you to just pray this with me. There's no magic in this prayer. It is just simply a coming to a place of submission. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I am desperately in need of a Savior. And so I repent today for all of my sin, of which there are many. I ask that you would forgive me. I believe that you are God's one and only son. That in you alone, I can have life. And so I surrender myself to you today. 
and ask that you would come and dwell in me. That the power of the kingdom would come near to me today. So Lord, I thank you for the people that made that decision today. Lord, I thank you that it is through repentance and believing in Christ that there is power in that. And if you made that decision today, I just want you to know your next step is to get baptized. We got a baptism coming up here in February. So if you're interested in that, we'll have some people right over here in this corner. You can let them know. And we also have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we've got a Bible and some resources we'd love to get you. Just make sure you stop over there before you leave. So as we, as we end today in this song, I told you in the beginning of the service that we want to have an opportunity for some healing prayer in, in, in your life today. Now here's the problem that we're all facing right now in this moment. is a little bit of pride. Maybe you've been prayed for before. Maybe you've been believing for something for a while and it's just dry bones at this point. I want to encourage you, maybe even as, as an act, as a believer, to say, like, I'm, I'm going to prophesy over these dry bones in my life and believe that God can breathe new life in them again. And so maybe you're stuck. You're stuck in this place of maybe it's a, a, a physical need of healing. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's financial. Whatever that looks like for you in that area of your life, as we, as we enter into this last worship song, I just want you to come right down here with me. Just kind of make your way down in through here. If you, you just know that you just, look at you got nothing to lose, right? You're, you're in the place of just like, this is, this is where I'm at and I need some healing in my life. I need God to touch, touch in this area of my life. Come right down here, right down here up the front. And as we, as we worship, I want to, I want to have the, the prayer team come on down here as well. Lord, I pray that you would call each and every single person that you, that you that is on your heart that you want to bring freedom to today. Lord, I pray that today would be a day of new beginnings. Lord, that even as our pride rises up in us to say no, I pray that your yes would be even bigger. Cause us to believe that you can and will and want to do greater things than, than where we're at right now, that you want to bring freedom, healing. <sighs> Lord, that your kingdom would come near today. And as you guys come forward, as we, uh, as we pray, I want to have your pr the prayer team just kind of come up, ask them how, they can, how you can pray for them, lay hands on them, on their shoulder, pray God, God's kingdom to come near. So come on down as we worship. Let's come on down.